Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. So now we're going to have an altar call and we're done. Everyone's already crying. Um, so here's the deal. We're going to launch into a parenting series. As long as we can handle it at the Hauser household, because I start teaching on marriage, everything in, it goes wrong in our marriage it possibly can. Because, you know, uh, Jared has to act like an expert for a day, and that's not going to happen. Start talking about parenting, and our kids lose their minds. Uh, so we'll just know. Um, this morning, Kelly's like, how many weeks is this thing going to go on? Um, it's probably going to go for about five weeks. Um, so pray for the housers in the next five weeks. Um, but we really want to dive into what parenting is and um, our responsibilities in that and, and what that looks like. Uh, as a church, we dive into parenting together. We do something here called baby dedication or child dedication here at the church. If you have moved in, uh, you can, all ages can be dedicated. There's no, no, no qualms about that. Um, people usually doing it as baby dedications, but what it is, is a family saying, here's my kid. I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. And the church saying, we got your back. And so that's, that's really what child baby dedication is here at the church. And so this series is all about, hey, we got your back. Even if I don't have a kid, my kid's grown up. I got grandkids. I don't, no one's around me that's a kid. Guess what? You walk in these doors, you have the responsibility to aid the other people in here who are going through this thing that are, are going on. Kids, if you are a child, I want you to know your parents are trying their absolute best. And you may think, well, that's not very good. <laughs> but they're doing their absolute best. You may not know this, but sometimes you're not that fun to be around. <laughs> so it just is what it is. Parenting is hard, hard, hard work because as much as you want, you can't control those little beings. Ah. Where's the off button? They don't come with one. Um, it's hard. So we're launching into this series to really step into um, parenting. And, and, and we're, we're going to give some strategies, but if you're coming here this morning going, Jared, fix my kids in five weeks or less, that's not going to happen. I'm not that good, okay? Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to delve into some root spiritual issues that if we start working on those, we start delving into those, I think we're going to see some changes in our relationships with our children. Um, some of the emotional and behavioral stuff can get rectified through that, but we're really going to focus in on the spiritual development of kids and what are the questions that we need to be asking um, ourselves and asking of our kids uh, all the time when we, uh, we see maybe emotional and behavioral stuff pop out and go, whoa, what's going on? Because we don't notice a problem until something's broken. Well, that's, that's the dad in me, you know. Oh, that's broken. Um, yeah, because we haven't spent any time with that child. Here, Their love tank is quality time, and we haven't spent any time with them in 
a month. Oh, they might be crying out for something, right? It's, you, can, you can figure that stuff out, but if we start seeking some, um, some root spiritual needs, we can start to address the issues and start to, to figure out and start maybe getting our heads above water. The, cat, the tagline for this series is, uh, it's just a phase, so don't miss it. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. I am keenly aware of the phases of parenting. Uh, be- once we added Lucy to the mix, uh, the phases of parenting really started to hit home because we have twin, twin 10-year-olds now. And they do everything, go through those phases together. Now, one's a girl, one's a boy, so one's a a little bit different than the other one. And I'll let you figure out who you, I think, is different, and that's okay. (laughs) But one's a little bit different than the other one. Of course, they deal with stuff differently. They handle uh, problems differently. They they do everything differently. You asked their teacher at school. uh, She said, if I wouldn't know their last names, I wouldn't even know their brother and sister because they absolutely operate differently. But they are going through the same phases. They went through the toddler stuff. Uh, together. They went through the, the early elementary together. Now they're going to go through, uh, they're going pre-puberty together. Um, Lord help me. Uh, then they're going to go, you know, they're gonna go through all that uh, at the same time. Except when you add Lucy in there, who's on an eight-year-old, eight-year delay, you get to see, oh, that was this phase. I forgot about that one. I think I just cried through that one. Um, <laughs> When you have twins, now I'm not saying parenting is, you know, if you only have one, you had the easy road or something like that. If you have twins or multiples of any way, you start to run out of hands to do things. Now, one's difficult enough, but, but two, you go, ah, I distinctly remember there were moments at like 10, well, birth through now uh, of, of moments, moments like after bedtime and bedtime was this crazy adventure of like, you got to bathe the kid, but not drown them. Two of them at the same time. Like that's, that's more challenging than you think. <laughs> so you got to bathe them and do this and, and, and put them away and make sure they're a little clean and fed and all that stuff. And I remember we, we would say, Jesus loves you, baby. <laughs> Shut the door. And we would sit outside the door and hear them screaming at each other, screaming at us and crying. And, uh, and I didn't know if it was them or Kelly crying. And I just looked at Kelly. They won tonight. You know, it's, it's okay. And so we had this wonderful mentor. She, she's written actually a bunch of books on how to parent through the birth through toddler. If you'd like, uh, she's going to come teach at the women's conference this year. Uh, Jennifer Walker, amazing woman. So if you need help in that, you're getting ready to have a baby and you're like, uh, I don't know what to do. We got the hookup. Anyway, I called Jennifer. Jennifer, I just feel like I'm failing as a parent. She's like, and she's like, Jared, is that them crying in the background? Yes. They're breathing. <laughs> you're not failing. Your responsibility is that they breathe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Right? Because we, oh, they're not accepted to Harvard and they're only 18 months old. Yeah, it's okay, Jared. They're breathing. Your responsibility is that they're fed, they're watered, and they're breathing. You got it. Okay? So I think sometimes as parents, I hear this thing, it's just a phase, don't miss it. I've been doing the research for this for the last three weeks and started reading all these books and everything, and the anxiety level on my parenting was shot through the roof. I've already missed it. I've already failed. I've already, oh, they broke them. They're going to be in counseling for that one. Right, you ever, am I the only one that thinks that? Like, oh, that's going to show up later. <laughs> like, 
let's just have a slush account for counseling later. Uh, maybe, hey, um, only one? Cool, great. Uh, and you think about, oh, I already missed it. I've already broken them. I've already done this stuff. And let's just take that guilt that we have and throw that away. Because by being here this morning, listening to this, by investing in your kids, you're trying to be a better parent, okay? You are trying to be better. And so that's my goal. It was like, whether I did, killed it yesterday or I was terrible yesterday, I'm going to do better today than I did yesterday. That's, that's all I can ask of myself, okay? And so let's just breathe a little bit. You're not going to fix your kid in a day. That doesn't happen. But you didn't break them in a day either. Okay, so we gotta, we got to give ourselves a little more grace, breathe a little bit, and just say, you know what? I'm going to love these kids the best I possibly can in this moment, in this time. I really think you're probably doing better than you think you are. I do. I think you're better at doing better than you think you are. So let's release that anxiety and let it go. Uh, parenting and the Bible are funny things. Uh, we just spent 18 weeks going through different Bible guys in the Old Testament and gals in the Old Testament. You know, one thing they all had in common, almost all of them, like 90% of them, they're all terrible parents. <laughs> terrible. David's son tried to rebel against him and kill him. Don't have that going for you, right? As bad as you had last night, that didn't happen. Adam and Eve's firstborn kills the secondborn. I mean, there's been close calls if you have teenage boys, I understand, but then they succeed. You've got that going up for you. You're better than that, than Adam and Eve at their, their stuff. Jacob shows, you think you have a favoritism problem? Jacob shows so much favoritism that the oldest boys are like, you know what we should do to the baby favorite? We should kill him. And the better alternative was let's sell him into slavery. That's how much favoritism was being shown. You got, you're doing better than Jacob. Okay, and so we've got these people in the Bible we've studied, we've looked at. You're, we're doing better. Mary, the mother of Jesus, loses the poor kid for three days and doesn't even realize it. This is the mother of God. God said, Mary, you're going to raise my child. Uh, could you help me find him? <laughs> like, how did that prayer time go, right? Like, uh, uh. All right, so... We've established we're doing better than the people in the Bible, so there's hope for us yet, okay? So you're doing better than you think. It's okay. The competitive side of me is, yeah, David had to, you know, hard after, hard after God, but at least my kid's not trying to kill me yet. So I'm doing better than David. The competitive, I can be better. I can be better than a Bible character. That's, that's the competitive side of Jared. Um, don't take the converse of that and say, well, if the Bible guys couldn't do it, then I'd have no hope. No, stop it. You can be better than the Bible people, okay? There you go. Our jobs as parents is to help them grow physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Our jobs as parents is to help them grow physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's what we do. We can't, and, and intellectually, we can't control how much they grow. As much as I want Bowen to grow. He's got a lot of riding our blood in him. And riding our, blood, riding our men are about eh, this tall. Now, Hauser women and men, and most hurt, which is my mom's side, men and women are, we're tall. And pe people ask my dad, was well, your son tall too? My dad's 6'5". 
No, he's not. I'm 6'1". In normal, I'm, I'm okay size. I'm not tall, but I'm not like, you know, whatever. Sorry, in the, in the land, of, land of giants, I guess I uh, am. Uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was like eight weeks premature. I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, but so you, you see that, and, and Bowen, Bowen's built like, our, he looks exactly like all Ridenour boys. And so Kendall's going to be 18 inches taller than him, and it's just going to be funny. I can want to do that. I can't make it happen. But what I can do is provide the best environment for him to grow, right? That's, that's what I can do. I can provide the best environment for him to grow. That is what we are called to do. If you look at uh, what we're called to do as parents, sometimes we feel so much guilt, so much angst, so much anxiety over who our kids are going to be. Ah, oh, if they don't ace this test, if they don't go to that practice, they're never going to play for the Cubs. Guess what? They're not going to play for the Cubs anyway. If they don't, if they don't do this, they're not going to get into college. They might not get into that college, but there's a bunch of private schools out there. It didn't, they'll get in college. It's okay. If you throw enough money at it, they'll go, they'll go to college. It's just the way it is. Um, my roommate, freshman year, that way. Um, that's a whole other story that I don't need to tell. You don't even have to have that anxiety. What I'm going to do is provide for you the best environment for you to grow intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. That's my responsibility as a parent. We live in a world that has fallen, so I can't make those things happen. Right? But I can provide for you. Now, we've all given our kids healthy options to eat, and they still want, as Lucy says, chicken fries, chicken nugs, and some french fries. And then you give her chicken and fries, and she continues just to want to eat off her mother's plate, right? That's, that's what a two-year-old does. But we, we continue to make the opportunities for you to have broccoli there. Now, we have to do that for all kinds of, of, of aspects, our responsibilities to help them grow intellectually, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But I would argue the most important is spiritually. That our responsibility to help them grow spiritually supersedes everything else. There's a lot of emphasis placed on emotional health these days. A lot of emphasis placed on emotional health, and that is great. But at school, with our pro athletes, all over the place, people are... You know, Take care of yourself, take a personal day, emotional health, emotional health, emotional health. That's great. We need to be emotionally healthy. However, I believe we are seriously misdiagnosing emotional problems with spiritual problems. We have not addressed the root issues of why these things are happening, where our self-worth comes from, where our authority is, where our identity is found. If we're continually searching for those things, we're always going to have emotional health problems. If we address those things in a spiritual mindset, we're going to start having these pillars and these identifiers and these foundations in which we can get to a healthier place. And so, um, seriously, I don't have anything against going to counseling, dealing with the emotional issues, fantastic stuff. But as we raise our kids, let's not be too raise our kids. Let's not be too quick to say, "Oh, that's an emotional problem." Well, is the spiritual health? something we've dealt with and helped and help pour into. That's so, so, so important. As we get into a society that takes less and less and less and less, um, looks at spiritual health as even a thing or just an emotional byproduct, we're going we're gonna to have in society, we're going to have more and more problems with this. If you wonder why over the last 20 years, um, so much more cutting has started to happen. So suicide rates are so through the roof. All kinds of different stuff that our teenagers are facing are just astronomical. From even when I was in high school 20 years ago, like, the world has changed this much. It's not all Facebook's fault. 
It's the spiritual foundations that we quit teaching, quit laying down for our kids. So how do we do that as parents? Because this one, we can do. I can't make sure my kids learn trigonometry. Because guess what? If they're asking Jared to teach them trigonometry, it ain't happening. We had it happen this week. Bowen brought home some homework. And I looked, he's fourth grade. Brought homework. And I was like, ugh. Where's the book? Oh, we don't have one. Just let's wait until your mom comes home. <laughs> you know, that happened this week. Like, intellectually, apparently, we've stopped. Um, I'm, I'm done. I'm not smarter than a fourth grader. So there it is. You know, physically, there's, there's a spot in which I just, I can't, I can't go any farther. But spiritually, I can always commit to be walking with my children. We live in a fallen world, a depraved world. We have a condition of sin all the time. It is always raiding our uh, airwaves. It's always on our TV. It's always on, wanting to be on our lips. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We live in this depraved, sinful world where people have free will to choose selfish things. We have all fallen short of the glory of God that leads to judgment and hell. And and we'll continue to do so until the intervention of Jesus Christ in our lives. So that means that our kids live in a sinful world and they will choose selfish things. And they will fall short of the glory of God that leads to judgment and hell, and will continue to do so without the intervention of Jesus Christ in their lives. Now, you may think your kid hung the moon, but they're still sinful. They live in this area, and so what we have to do, our primary concern has to be showing them a better way. We have to make, look at our own lives and say, am I living a better way? And then showing our kids a better way. By focusing on spiritual, we address these root, root issues, and it makes us to be better parents. Ephesians 6 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, this is so important. A lot of times we stop there. As men... We like to stop reading the Bible because there's always a however or a but. Women should submit and be silent. Like we stop. Whew. I'll quote that one to my wife. Do that and see how that works out for you. <clears throat> Duck is what would be one of my, uh, my recommendation. But what, what you, the next part of that is women should love their wives like Christ loves the church, which is totally sacrificially. Okay, that's really important. This is another one of those. Children should obey their father and mother. Yeah. Verse four. Fathers. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Don't frustrate your kids. Exasperate them. Now, at some point, exasperate. If you want to know what that word means, tell five dad jokes in a row. That look from your teenage daughter, that's exasperation. You should have stopped at four jokes, okay? But that's, that's exasperation. That's Because you've all seen that look before you've done that. And there's a point of pride in your, in your heart as a dad when you get the dad, right? There's just a little like, I, I arrived, <laughs> right? There's, there's a moment, uh, I know, but don't exasperate your children, okay? With all this spiritual stuff, I want to be very clear um, about the anxiety that that brings about. That this idea of even thinking it's just a phase, don't miss it. 
And some of you struggle with that. You look at your kids or where they're at, the choices they're making, and you're just, oh, I feel like I failed. And I, I want to be very clear with that and gentle with that, if I may. So we are not judged by the results. We are judged by our faithfulness. We're not judged by the results. We're judged by our faithfulness. Fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control, right? The fruit, we, what, what's being hammered out in our lives, what we're producing is, is I'm, I'm producing faithfulness. I'm going to be faithful, God, in this. I'm going to be faithful in this. I'm going to be faithful in this. I'm going to be faithful in this. Now, it's up to our kid because they have free will, which we all lament, right? They have free will. It's up to them to, to accept all these different things and, and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, accept, make the right choices. But what we can control is we're going to be faithful in this, okay? And sometimes we feel so much guilt in the end result. Sometimes we feel so much, oh, how I broke my child. I did this, whatever, whatever that may be for you. So you're not called and you're not judged by results. You're judged by your faithfulness, by the fruit that you've and for some of you this morning, you needed to hear that. You needed to hear, I can be faithful. It hurts. I can be faithful in tears. I can be faithful in joy. I can be faithful. But I can be faithful. And some of you need to release some baggage you've been holding on in your parenting this morning. Some of you are so scared that you might break your kid, you're not invested in parenting well. Because if I just, I just, just make them happy all the time, then I'm... Then, then they'll be okay. That's not what produces faithfulness and gentleness and kindness and self-control as well. We're not judged by the results. We're judged by our faithfulness. Proverbs 22, 6 says this. Start a children, start, start a children, start children off in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Once again, anxiety starts to creep in. <laughs> Jared, I'm just trying to get them fed. I can't deal with how I'm supposed to train them. Remember, we're not judged by results. We're judged by faithfulness. You're not judged if you have a rich, well-adjusted child. That's not the goal. The goal is to have a faithful kid. You're not judged if your kid plays in the Super Bowl. You're judged if you have a faithful kid and if you've been faithful. Start a children off the way they should go. When they're older, they'll not turn from it. By doing this, by stepping into this, we have to ask some questions. When we, at all times, we see a kid, and this is for everyone here. Um, this is when we see, when, you, when Dean sees Bowen doing something in the lobby, or uh, when Paul sees Kendall crying in the corner, or when uh, Malia sees Lucy, those are my names of my kids, uh, Lucy doing something, because she will, because it's Lucy, but that's Okay. I'm so glad I had her because that's like another 10 years of object lessons for you all in preaching. <laughs> so, these are questions that we need to ask. The first one is this, how can I show them God? And it's a question we need to ask ourselves whether our child is 2, 8, 14, 18, or 58, right? You're not off the hook once they graduated high school, by the way. Some of you are like, come on. <laughs> but asking the question, not how do I change their behavior? That's not the question, the first uh, question we ask. 
okay? Because that's the one we want to go to because we want things to be quieter, nicer, and cleaner in our homes, right? But that's not the question. The question is, how can I show them God? How? How do I show them God? Because the reflection that I show of God in this moment determines how they're going to see God in the future. And so if you're always authoritarian and you will listen to me, thus saith daddy. Now we're going to have some authority issues with God later down. And we're probably not going to like police officers and we're probably not going to like the government and we're not going to like some other things. Like, wow, that got deep. Yeah. Because what we do to a two-year-old starts to shape how they have authority issues later in life. And so if we're thinking, how can I show them God in this? Do I want to show them the authority of God? Do I want to show them the love of God? Do I show the mercy of God, the compassion of God? There's places for all those things because he is all of those things. There's moments when you say, I'm the dad, stop what you're doing now. Because God does that in the Bible often. Hey, knock it off. It's okay. But there's also, hey, there's nothing I won't do to love you. So how do we show our kids God in this? Because that is so vitally important. It is an authority question that what happens in behavior or whatever is going on is it's a question that we all have. It's an authority question. Who is in charge? Lucy, right now, if you ask her this question, if you say, Lucy, who's the boss? Daddy's the boss. It's adorable. I have no idea where it came from. I don't force feed her. Say, daddy's the boss. Say, Dad. There's other things that I give her cookies for to say. It's not that one, right? She just started saying it, and she'll repeat it over and over again. She's trying to figure out where the authority in her life is. She's two years old. And so she'll go to grandma and grandpa's house. Daddy the boss. Daddy the boss. Daddy the boss. And she's like, you're skipping, kid. You know, (laughs) whatever. But she's doing that because she's asking this question, where is the authority lying in my life? Right? Now, she's vocal in asking that question. Except a six-year-old is asking that question all the time. An eight-year-old, oh, you better believe they're asking that question. A 12-year-old, they're asking the question, who is the authority in their life? Because they think it's them, right? They're asking that question over and over and over again, a 14, a 15, a 16, an 18, a 30, 40-year-old. And at some point, we, it's easy to say, I am the authority in your life at this moment. Daddy's the boss. But I will start to transition that statement to know God is the authority in your boss. And that's how I start to shift the spiritual foundation to God instead of who I am. Now, I can take that mantle for a little bit. But I will always disappoint Lucy, right? I will overreact. I will do something. I'll blow up. I'll judge her incorrectly. And it was actually Bowen that, that broke the cookie jar instead of Lucy. You know, whatever it is, I will not, I'll, I'll mess that up. God doesn't mess that up. So I have to start transitioning where the authority in her life lies is God, not me. And this is a huge transition that's not been happening in society. Right? It's not been happening. This is where we have a lot of problems is the authority issue lies with, well, I'm the boss or my parents are the boss or my boss is the boss, but I don't like them very much because we, we haven't attributed who authority is, is that God is the authority in our lives. And once we start helping our kids see that, we're going to see all kinds of different changes in, in the root of who they are. Does this make sense? We're going to go way deeper into this. Each one of these questions for the next weeks, we're going to go uh, early education, uh, elementary, and later elementary, middle school, and high school. So we're going to delve these same three questions into each age group. So um, this is an overview today. 
of that, because there's a lot to unpack in this. Um, how do I help them? Sorry, the second question they're asking is, how do I help them unpack who they are in God? This is a question that kids are asking all the time, and it's framed a little bit differently. They don't know they're asking a God question, but what they're actually asking is, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to make the baseball team? Do I have what it takes to be a good kid? Do I have what it takes to be a mom? Do I have what it takes to be a teacher? Do I have what it takes? They're asking these questions all throughout the history. So when you hear the question, or you ask the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? No matter what they say, if they say garbage man, oh, you would be the best garbage man in the history of mankind. You would be the best dentist ever. You want to design sewers? Okay. You would be the best sewer designer in the history of makeup. Because what they're asking you actually is, Dad, do you think I have what it takes to do this? I don't even know what that is, son, but sure. Because we have to help them unpack who they are in God. Because are they asking, am I good enough? Will they like me? Will I be rejected? third question that's being asked all the time and that we need to ask our kids is how do I help equip them for who God made them to be? This is our task as a parent. How do I help equip them for who God made them to be? This is a character question. How do I, what does what I do matter? How do I conduct myself? Does that actually matter? Will I have purpose? Now, these three questions have different age groups they're really attributed to, but the three questions are being asked all the, all the time. Authority questions, character questions, and do I have what it takes questions, identity questions, asked all the time. They're just asked at different proportions at different ages. You ever seen a junior or senior in high school? If you want to stress out a junior, high, a junior or senior in high school girl, especially, guys don't care, junior or senior in high school girl, you say, hey, what are you doing for college? <gasps> I don't know. They will melt down in about five seconds if you ask, because they'll get, oh, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. Really? I heard that's kind of a stressful time. It is, oh my gosh, and this all break down. I have a lot of experience with junior and senior high girls, uh, junior and senior girls, uh, melting down in my office when I was a youth pastor because I asked those same penetrating questions. Oh my God, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And there's lots of tears and snot, and I had no idea what they said half the time. But... Because they want to know, who am I? Do I have what it takes? Is it going to be okay? You see a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum. They are asking an authority question. Are you going to back up what you just said? Are you really going to take my toy away? You did really take my toy away. I literally said these words two weeks ago. Lucy throwing the biggest fit. She asked for Bowen to take a bath with her. They play, I mean, they'll be in the bath for like an hour and a half throwing water at each other. And finally, she had enough of something. And I'm, Bowen, what are you doing? I don't know, Dad. She's just screaming at me. Get used to it, son. The girl just randomly yelling at you. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole other message for a whole other time. Uh, and, I said, and I said this. I said, Lucy, I'm downstairs. I said, Lucy, who's the boss? Daddy, the boss. Okay, stop crying. And she stopped. I was like, that worked <laughs> because she's asking an identity question, right? No, no, that's the one time it's going to happen. I used it already. It's done. I used it as a two-year-old. Okay, I, I, I shot my shot. We're done. But it's that same thing. You want to know if they're asking an identity question or authority question? That's what they're asking. 
Over and over again, they're going to be asking these questions. And so as parents, we need to be continuing, and people investing in kids' lives. It doesn't matter if you, if you gave birth to them, if you look like them, if you, uh, if you even like them. You've got to ask these three questions because it's our responsibility as people who said, you know what, I'm going to join in the ministry of loving this child. We ask these questions. How can I show them God? How do I help them unpack who they are in God? How do I equip them from who, uh, for who God made them to be? We ask those questions. And once we start framing those in our, in our heads, yes, we've got to get out of the maintenance mode. We've got to get out of the, the, I just threw food in front of them and I survived and they went to sleep and the homework was kind of done mode. Because there's not bandwidth to ask these penetrating questions, these deeper questions about what's really going on when we're just in there. So you got to look at your schedules. You got to look at what's going on in life because these questions are what's really important. Whether or not they ace that math test, Close your ears, kids. It doesn't matter if they can't answer the, sp- the spiritual questions. Okay? It's much more important to start a- answering and helping in these spiritual foundation questions than it is how they did in whatever class they're taking or whatever sports team practice they went to. That's saying the coach is saying that, okay? It's way more important. And so as we look at our parenting, as we look at our, our grandparenting, as we look at our parenting of, and guess what? These questions, they don't stop. I ask these questions of myself daily, right? Where is my authority? Do I have what it takes? Am I equipped enough for this? I'm still asking that as a grown man. This doesn't stop. So whether your kid is two months old or 58, as we said earlier, or 88, or yourself, these three questions still apply to you. And as we invest in each other, as we invest in kids, we have to ask these questions, start leading them and pointing them to God. Why don't you pray with me? God, will you be with us? Will you please help us as we try to parent and try to love children? Will you be with us as we try to love ourselves? As we try to point kids to you and to your amazing love and mercy and grace that you have for them. God, this morning as we realize we live in a crazy world in a sinful and a fallen world that we have a desire and a need for you. God, I don't want to be who I was yesterday. I want to be made new in you today. And I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes I did. I don't want them to fail in the ways I failed. I want to give them a spiritual foundation where they know they can always run back to you and they can always run back to me. God, would you love us? Will you show us how we can be better? Will you help us see the bandwidth in our life where we can make room and margin so we can love our children better? Because all these different phases, we don't want to miss any of them. There's opportunities for babies, and there's opportunities in elementary kids, and there's opportunities in middle schoolers, and opportunities in high schoolers to speak directly into their life and to love them well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Folks, we have a journey here of a couple of weeks. It's going to be awesome to really dive into and see what God's doing in our life. And I just want to invite you all to don't miss a week of this because uh, they're all going to apply in different ways. Whether or not you have a preschooler or if you have a high schooler, they're all going to apply to you. Because you will have a, if you come into this church, you will have a preschooler involved in your life in some way, right? We've got a third of, a little bit over, we did the math this week, a little, a third of our church is, um, 
is fifth grade or younger, a third of our church. So there's a lot of kids to invest in. There's a lot of parents going, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. It's okay. We all don't know what, to, what we're doing together, and we're just going to point them to Jesus, okay? We'll do that together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.